0: Hey everybody welcome to the show this is episode number 41 of the live show we did on youtube last night Um, the title of its big buck sanctuaries me and dan talked a lot about sanctuaries if they work if they don't work if you have a sanctuary how to utilize it lots of good information on this episode we also had like almost 500 people on the live streams we had tons of good questions that we Got to at the end of the show, just some some random stuff too, just about weird things that I think uh, were were good and interesting. So uh, make sure you listen to the end of this episode. Thanks for the support, everybody. Um, it's been a great year. Um, it's coming to an end finally next week, and I hope you guys have a very merry Christmas and you um, get to spend some time with family and some much needed time off work and all that stuff. Um, yeah, go over to the youtube channel before the echo it's in the description here hit the like button yes go ahead and subscribe to that channel if you like what we're doing leave a review on uh whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on also don't forget to go over and check out all the stuff on the hunting beast we have all kinds of hunts on there dan has hunts from years and years ago on there so um if you haven't went over there and check that out make sure you do that all right with that let's get right into the episode Hey, everybody. Welcome to the you? show. Hope everybody's having a, a good day and ready for this big storm everybody's supposedly getting here in a couple hours. <laughs> Have you guys already, uh, are you, you guys are already getting it, Dan, up there? I think
1: it's already blowing through up here. Yeah. We're- uh, we got uh, um, the afterstorm now. I mean, we had our snow and now I think uh, the, we're getting into the bad stuff, which isn't really the snow. It's the uh, wind. It was in time tonight. It was uh, like forty below with the wind yeah. chill.
0: Yeah, that's what ours is supposed to start dropping off the face of the earth at like nine o'clock. So that's why we got on a little early, just in case I lost power or something, um, and lost internet. That wouldn't be good in the middle of a live stream. So, uh, you did? Did you go tonight?
1: I didn't. I wanted yeah. to, and I just I had some things I had to do quick, and it just got to too long, and I didn't go. I was wondering if
0: you, you mentioned you, you thought about going earlier in the day. I didn't know if you ended up going or not. Yeah. I,
1: was, I probably should have snuck out of work around noon or something. But.
0: <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Uh, did you I have to
1: wait any... for work? And usually if I'm late for work, I got to make it up by leaving early.
0: But, oh uh, yeah. Right.
1: Boss is watching me close. So I didn't.
0: <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this is a, this is, we don't get this cold down here usually. Uh,
1: yeah, I saw it down below you in Kentucky and stuff. They're getting snow and stuff. It's like wow. Yeah. And uh, I saw Oklahoma has uh, some snow and yeah. Uh, my brother's down in Arkansas and uh, looks like he's getting snow and I don't know if he ever got snow down there.
0: We uh we I mean we get snow every year, but uh, we don't get like these you know negative forty wind chills is what we don't get. Um, but we're going to tomorrow, I guess. Yeah, so I, don't yeah. much, Actually, I don't know how much
1: I don't know in a jacket and whether to like this. Yeah, here. no
0: kidding. I don't know how much snow we're gonna get. I've heard everything from uh an inch to um twelve inches, so it's hard telling you never never know what it seems like they can't make up their mind on it. But um that's what I don't I don't really want to get a whole bunch of snow. I don't mind a few inches, but um uh a, a foot of snow I really don't want to deal with. Um how much snow do you guys get on the ground right now? Not much. Oh, really?
1: Yeah, just a few inches. Mm. Anyway, too much, too much. I mean, the dose slaughter next week's gonna.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I and mean, that starts on uh, Christmas Eve. So I think I actually only have tomorrow to hunt yet, and then yeah. they have this um, yeah. stupid ten-day doe hunt.
0: I, I think you've uh expressed your frustrations with that doe hunt every episode for the last like five episodes <laughs> i tell you it's stupid <laughs> oh oh hey dan look here moose junction hunter appreciate it man merry christmas yeah merry christmas everybody we, will, we won't talk to you all christmas. Uh, until after christmas so i appreciate that it was awful kind of you um anyway if you guys are on here for the first time, you can ask questions in the, in the comment section below, and we'll try to answer some of them at the end. Um, also, I'll put the link to get on here live with us if you want to talk to us live and ask some questions. Uh, I'll put that in when we get to the uh, Q&A of the show. Um, oh, and if you like what we're doing, make sure you hit the subscribe button and the like button. That always helps. Uh, it's a good way to support the, the show. Um, anyway, uh, anything else going on, Dan?
1: Uh, not a lot.
0: Um, I spent the day, uh, cutting up a dough and filming it, which takes, it takes about four times longer when you're trying to film everything. mm. Uh, but anyway, I got that all done today and we got a, uh, you gotta,
1: you gotta do a video on how you make that, uh backstrap you cooked. uh josh cooked backstrap for me last time i went down by them not the last time but a couple times ago yeah it was the best backstrap i've ever had i don't know what you <laughs> do but yeah you gotta do a recipe video
0: yeah we we talked about after season doing more of that kind of stuff like cooking videos or um just doing just stuff like that for you'd be better get-
1: at that than me because i like I'll, I'll boil a potato or something yeah
0: right yeah i actually That's like good. i like cooking so I wouldn't mind doing it. Uh, I found that it is hard. Like I need to have Maddie help me with video because it is hard to do it uh, by yourself because it's it's a little more. I don't know. Just I'd like to get the, always wanted the camera closer than when I could get it whenever I'm actually doing it. Where if you had someone there to hold it, it'd have been better. But anyway, we'll do some of that stuff this this off season. Uh, we've got a pretty interesting news story to talk about tonight, mm. Dan. Dan sent me this this morning and uh, I thought it was a really good uh, it's a good news story and it's a good topic but um, it's from Outdoor Life in the in the description below you guys can see the article we're going to talk about and read it if, if you uh, want to later um, but a guy shot uh, a buck that was in um, a study down in Mississippi that MSU was doing it was buck number 140 and this buck had had articles written about it because it had been migrating 18 miles uh, every year. Um, It's it's down there on the, in the South Delta, which the reason they have to migrate down there is because it all floods out every year. So the deer all have to move And this particular deer would move uh, 18 miles.
1: 18 miles. That's pretty good poke.
0: Yep. And what was unique about it is obviously he would, he would, uh, he would summer in Louisiana and he would winter in Mississippi and yeah, he'd swim the, uh the the mississippi river
1: didn't it say something like a mile long stretch of it yeah it's a, a mile Swim long a mile over the river
0: yep uh two times a year uh and it was pretty funny i was reading through the article and the kid the guy that shot it here i'm going to go ahead and i'll share my my screen real quick so you guys can see the how big the buck is it's is a dandy buck um there's the there's the buck but but for uh, down here,
1: that's huge. I mean, that's uh, uh, for a buck in that area. That's a huge buck.
0: Yeah, and he, uh, it said is exactly what wildlife management unit the guy was. He got killed on public land. It said exactly what wildlife management unit he uh, shot it on and everything. I was like, golly, they got a little, a little more detailed than I would with that. her. Uh, he gave up some information, but I assume that. I mean, obviously they know where it's at because it was uh GPS collared. Those transient
1: deer, though, I mean, that could show up anywhere. You, you yeah. know, it's traveling oh, through. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's not that a deer that was born and raised there. It doesn't mean no. a great area.
0: No, but it uh, it just was. It just made me laugh. Right. Uh, anyway, and the, actually, the GPS car had fallen off of the buck a couple weeks ago, but it had fallen off at that in that wildlife management area. Oh, ah. but so it, it had been actually living there for a couple weeks.
1: Hmm. How would they uh, know it was that buck then?
0: Cause it has, it, a, the it has ear tags ah, in it. See it. Oh, I see that now. Yep, yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but they said in the study, I thought uh, maybe there, it was
1: one of those new, uh, uh, woke deer, trans deer yeah. like that, earrings. <laughs> oh, geez. Maybe so. No, those are, t- those are tags.
0: Okay. Yeah. They're tags. Yeah. Um, he, uh, rainbow deer. He, uh, <laughs> there was a doe in that study that well i guess made this one look like a walk in the park i guess she would she would migrate 35 miles wow every year Mm. yep um yeah they're i guess they're going to test it for a whole bunch of stuff just to see uh just they talked about they got it into like some cwd testing and whatnot just to see how far those things can spread and Hopefully it tested negative and then that doesn't get brought back up Um, or, you know, get, I don't know. It just, anytime we start talking about CWD, it always makes me nervous. Um, Yeah. And they, they did say though, they have a bunch of collared deer in Northern Mississippi and uh, every single one of those bucks they have um, collared stay roughly in an 800 to 1200 acre range. They very rarely go out outside of that range, um, which I thought that was interesting too. Hmm. But I haven't I haven't read a whole bunch of studies about collared deer, but this this one made me want to like dig deeper into them and mm-hmm. learn more There's about.
1: Some interesting stuff you get off of the, those uh, studies.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. And like this deer, I mean, it's in that. That was interesting to me because like this one was on public land. You know, this wasn't a. Um, deer. Oh, sorry about that, guys. I hit the wrong button. Um, wasn't on the, you know, some managed farm or something. You know, he was, he was everywhere essentially. Uh, anyway, did, uh, how, uh, have you ever like had a deer on camera and got him somewhere different, way far away on a different camera or anything, or Um, saw him somewhere different? Yeah, I've tracked
1: deer for, for distances. Um, you know, it's seldom it gets over a mile or so. But um, I've seen deer that, like, uh, I'll watch uh, all summer. They disappear yeah. in the fall, and you hear about somebody shooting them five miles away. And uh, uh, I can remember a couple of really big deer that would sh- they would routinely come in for a few years of their lives. You know, they only live so long, but for a few years, I watched them, and they'd be there right up until hunting season, and then they would disappear. And, uh, sometimes I'd find them through shining or glassing or something, and they would be quite a ways away. But, uh, I can remember places I hunted where you'd have one buck that was there all the time. It's a matter of where he is, where he's hiding, but he'd be within this one little square area of say, between roads of a half mile square. And he'd always be in there. Yep. And then a, a, another buck in that same area, same time frame, would show up for miles all the way around there. You know, I've seen deer that do routines like, uh, almost like a weird type of, you, you wouldn't call it mig- migration, but a, a, a movement pattern where they go in a circular fashion and they're on, on your property for like, uh, three, four days. Yeah. And Then they're on the next one, the next one, the next one. And eventually they end up back over by you and maybe it's three or four weeks later and they yeah. go in a circular pattern. And, uh, I can remember one, um, relatively large non-typical buck that had a uh, big drop time that i was after and uh that one i knew somebody who was hunting it a couple miles away and i'd monitor what when he was seeing it because it gave me a clue when it would show up by me because i started yeah. to figure out this pattern and uh the best time to hunt him would be when all the rubs and stuff were uh, old because you know he was coming <laughs> yeah but, i don't i don't even think uh he got harvested because i would have heard about it so i think he just died someplace or something or maybe got yeah winged. but um yeah it's it's kind of strange how they have movement patterns like that yeah you know, um, we often talk about how you got to hunt a deer individually you know people are always like well how do you do this how do you do that with, with, with deer what do deer do in this situation well what is that that deer that you're hunting do you know if you hunt specific animals you really start to notice that each one is an individual, just like people. Yeah. Just like you might have some person who flies all over the country, and is in a different state every other other weekend, you know, or whatever. You get, then yep. you got some people like, uh, think of an old grandma who never leaves her house. She has somebody shop for her and everything. She just stays mm-hmm. in the yard. There's deer like that, you know. Yeah.
0: Yeah, for sure. I mean i I have a deer I've been chasing for a couple years now, and like he he's always in this particular area. I mean, I, I, and I, you know, I have cameras around the surrounding areas and I very rarely get him on Mm -hmm. those other care. I never do now. I, not even rarely. I never do. Uh, but I'll get him like anywhere from, you know, August till, and I'll find the sheds in, in, uh, February up there, you know, where, where it's just like, he does not leave this area. He knows, he knows it. He knows how to be safe in it. And that's where he likes to be.
1: That's why, uh, you you know, I get a lot of people uh, that raise an eyebrow when I say this, but mature bucks, especially your older mature bucks, like say six, seven years old, I think are easier to hunt usually than your younger bucks because they'll get in an area. They know it really well. You can't even really bump them out because they, they they think they know more than you about the area. They'll just move around where those little bucks will just fly out of Dodge and relocate someplace in another bedding area. Yeah. Um, Yeah but you can you can get some of these older bucks i think it's a trend with older bucks where they will hold up in a spot a a good spot and never want to leave you know and and you can just come in from different angles and try and hunt them and they can be a lot easier to hunt than a younger buck with the exception of they're very intelligent about how they move when they move and if they're being hunted and they can just lock down and disappear and not move in daylight if they want to But as far as knowing where they're at, um, seems to be a little easier to pattern them to a spot.
0: Yeah. And when you say smaller deer, you mean like, like three-year-olds? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. You know, you bump a three-year-old and and even though that can be a really high quality rack size deer. Yeah. I mean, they have more of a tendency than say a six-year-old to go take it off. But again, you got to get back into the individual deer. Every deer acts Mm -hmm. differently. Like this deer that we're looking at is obviously not no little three-year-old looking at that picture, especially for that area. And that one was moving quite a distance. So that one was not shy about moving at all. Mm So every deer is an individual. I'm just saying it's a trend more with older deer than it is with younger deer. Yeah, for sure.
0: I was just, I was wanting to make sure you clarified like, yeah, you know, small, you said small deer, young deer, like you're not talking about year old deer year and a half old deer you're talking about like you know i wouldn't three. i would I w- yeah i wouldn't agree with you that a year and a half old deer is easier to or a, or a six-year-old is easier to hunt than a year and a half old but
1: I well think it depends on what you're looking at if, yeah. if you're hunting a specific one and a half year old you yeah. might be surprised because
0: mm-hmm. yeah
1: uh, i, I mean, guess I've never, I've never put out, myself. Out of Dodge and moved to the next county but then again now you're probably right because uh like on Dave's farm, I know every deer on there, and I'll see the same year year and a half olds day after day after day because yeah. in daylight. So you're probably right there. Yeah, I just um, don't even think of when I'm referring to deer. I'm not usually referring to one and a half years olds. I think of them as squirrels. They're not really deer. Yeah, it's right, left. right. <laughs>
0: um, I was, I, well, I text you this this morning, but I think uh, I think Joe Rogan was listening to this podcast, Dan. Yeah, I I, li- I listened to a Joe Rogan uh, podcast uh, yesterday with Steven Ranella and, and they're talking about Mitch Onpala. Joe was Ooh. asking him, asking Steve about Mitch Rampala. And, uh, I thought, well, oh, he must've been listening to us a couple weeks ago.
1: Well, Joe, if you're listening, your show will rock. If you
0: have me and Josh on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Then it will take off for sure. Right. Uh, right. Yeah. Then he'll,
1: then people will start to know who he is.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Steve, uh, Steve's saying he's wanting to do a documentary on that guy sometime. I'm like, that God, that'd be interesting. Be
1: interesting. You, you know, that's a can of worms. I, I don't know if I'd really want to open up because you start getting into uh
0: legal. Who stuff, he is and stuff like
1: which is a big part of his story. Yeah. You Steve knew a lot about him. He, he, or something, you know, yeah.
0: he brought up, I mean, he pretty much verbatim, you know, talked about everything um that we talked about. And, and and Listen, and he 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 didn't specifically job
1: make your show rock just have. A yeah <laughs> he
0: he brought up some of the, he didn't bring up specific legal issues but he said that there's a lot of uh um, theories about him being dishonest due to some past legal issues that he said or mm-hmm. uh law issues he's had but uh it was just funny I was like ah, oh. it was a good it was a pretty entertaining episode actually they talked about a whole bunch of cool stuff those two are real smart together but um anyway i just was getting a kick out of it but uh Steve was, he was, uh, they got to talk about whitetail deer, like, in, you know, cause Stephen Rella hunts everything, you know? Yeah. Um, and they got talking about whitetails and, uh, Steve was talking about how cool they're a cool of an animal they are is because they're like almost the only mammal that can figure they that have figured out how to live in such like populated yeah. areas, uh, for a human, human population. Birds, you know yep. Yeah, he's like he's like you very rarely you'll see a mule deer want to live where there's you know a bunch of in a housing addition or whatever, you know. Right. Uh, you
1: won't you won't find a black bear in an overlooked spot next to the road. You know no. they, they want to get as far away from you as possible. Everything does, except for deer. Deer yeah. are just like uh they're almost like they think they got one over on you and they know they can hide <laughs> underneath you,
0: you know. Right, right. Um anyway. Steve thought that he... He, the only thing that he he said that i that i think we may have gotten wrong or who who know he's he's wrong but he said that uh i guess his, his dad knew Mitch Rampala because his dad was a pope and young scorer in mm. michigan when he was growing up i don't know and i guess he knew him from that but uh he said people were offering him 10 grand to get the deer x-ray um yeah, I think that's true yeah oh i thought i thought you said a million dollars yeah i might have said. I think it was 10000 grand
1: I think, I think, uh, I was thinking yeah. that the deer was worth a million
0: dollars. Yeah. Well, I but think it would have been.
1: dollars. No. Yeah. I think it would have been if, I mean. Right. If it's the world record, it's, yeah. If, it would have been worth over a million dollars. Oh
0: yeah. I mean, those things, those are like generational wealth things. Whenever you, if you shoot the world, the world's biggest buck, you know, I mean, that's, yeah. you, you're making a, you're going to make a handsome living off that, um, just for that one deer, you know? the guy the guy that killed the that uh, huff buck down here in southern indiana uh, you know he's now like touring the country with that buck uh, playing music and showing people that buck like he's a, he's an artist or a musician uh, mm-hmm. that's what he does for a living now you know and before he was just like you know yeah, was you go
1: to shows and some guys got some new um, state record or potential world record yeah. buck and uh He'll be standing there with the buck and he, you talk to him like, like Milo Hansen. I, I mean, I like Milo Hansen. Um, he's even a friend of mine on Facebook. Uh, yeah. So I've had conversations with him. But really, I mean, he's just uh, just got lucky and a giant buck was there one day and he, he got this yeah. buck. And now he's on tour telling his story. Right. And he's like, oh, I think he did a drive or something.
0: Yeah. Got <laughs> <Shot> it. <laughs> I mean, it's like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, I listened to uh, that Dustin Huff, I think is his name, but he, he lives just east of me about an hour. He's almost to Cincinnati's where, where that buck was killed. But um, I guess when he shot that deer, uh, they, he didn't know about it. People around him knew about it, but uh, you know, people were keeping their mouth shut about the deer, I guess. Um, And I, I guess after he shot it, he like, whatever, got it home. And like, some people were like, like, you know, that's a, that's going to be a, you know, a world record deer, or close to a world record deer. It was the, you know, the American world record. At, I think um, the biggest ones in Canada, right, Dan? The, yep. Um, yep. the guy yep. you're just referring to, why, why I'm losing his name right now. Um, but I My guess he called, yeah, Milo Hansen, buck. he, he called the, yeah, he, uh, he called the uh, DNR after he shot it, uh, the game warden. And he, he was, he was trying to call him to, to like get a hold of him to like, he wanted to go and, they get it confirmed and everything with like that he did everything legal, you know, and they couldn't ever get a hold of anybody to come out there. Uh, and of course, like it always happens, you know, rumors got around that he shot it illegally or something. And um, I guess he was like all upset. He's a really funny guy. He's like, I tried to tell him to come out and check it for me because I knew this was going to happen. Uh, he he got it all cleared or whatever. The game warden went and did an investigation. It was all fine. Just people being jealous, you know. Uh, but it was pretty funny cause he, he just shot it. He shot it with a crossbow too. And, uh, I guess people were just up in arms about all that. And, uh, but anyways, there's a giant deer. Uh, but Steve was making, he, Steve was the one interviewing that Dustin Huff that killed that big buck. And he's like, I'm glad you have of killed it with a crossbow. He's like, I've just, I hate all them people that are all, uh, you know, up in arms about people using crossbows. So it was funny. Hate the uh, hater. The, yeah. Right. uh, Steve hunts in Wisconsin. He
1: hunts whitetails in Wisconsin.
0: Yeah, they uh, got a farm up here. He
1: comes to every year, I believe.
0: Yep, they have. They they always have a show up there in Wisconsin uh, whitetail hunt. I think uh, his buddy Yanni is like. I think his dad has a little farm too uh, that Yanni goes and hunts. Hmm. So um, I don't I don't know exactly where it's at. It's over there by uh, um where we had the the workshop, I think the hill country workshop Mm. somewhere in there in that general area. But anyway, all right. You want to get into our topic now, Dan? Sure. Sanctuaries. Sanctuaries. Hmm. Yep. All right. Yep. So we always hear this term, like, especially if you are a a private land hunter, you you'll hear a term people call uh, certain areas of their property sanctuaries, whether it be a, middle section or a little section, just a section they don't go into. That's for the deer. Uh, and the theory is it gives them a place to go and essentially grow old or become mature, you know, where they won't be bothered when we get, they won't get kicked out of there to go onto the neighbor's property to get shot or this or that, you know? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so n- now the, I've had uh, a lot of long winded conversations with people in arguments over sanctuaries. Mm-hmm. And uh, a lot of times, um, in the past, I'll be arguing with somebody about something, about like I'll say I don't, I don't believe in sanctuaries, and they'll be like, "Oh, I believe in sanctuaries," and I'm like, I would find out that their definition of sanctuary and my definition of sanctuary were two different things. Yeah, and really, we do the exact same thing you know um because a lot of people say that that they have sanctuaries on their property and they don't really because a sanctuary means you don't go in there do you ever pick up sheds do you go in there looking for sheds or do you just leave them in there if you go in there it's not a sanctuary so mm-hmm. the first thing that to, to um to get across is is what is your definition of a sanctuary yeah. i'm asking you what's your your definition um
0: i wouldn't i wouldn't I mean, if you are going to ask me, I probably wouldn't consider it. If I'm going to go in and look for sheds, I could, I would still, I've never really hunted a sanctuary, I've never had a, a, a property where I could have one. But, um, you know, I, I would tell you, like, as long as you don't go in there during hunting season and like from, let's say July till February, that's what okay. I would, I would think. Right. Um, But uh, I take that back. I had, I had hunted one property where a guy had a sanctuary on it and this was a it was a scenario I used to film for a guy in high school and there was this trash buck on the property that he didn't want to shoot but he didn't want it on there and he always told me if that buck would walk by while I was filming he could I would he'd let me shoot it with his bow which I I've shot I shot his bow before and was fine with it anyway uh so sure enough this one evening that buck comes in and I shoot it And of course it runs, I hit it a little back, a little bit back and it runs into this so-called sanctuary, you know, and man, I'll be honest with you. I didn't know if like, we tracked that deer up to the edge of that place. And he was like, he was like, Oh, you know, I I really don't want to go in there and kick this big giant buck he was hunting, you know, out of there. Um, and it was like, I thought first thing, and I was just a kid, like I was whatever, probably 16 years old. And, uh. You know, I thought for a second he wasn't going to let me go in there and look for it, you know. Um, but, anyways, that, he, you know, that was the only time I'd ever actually hunted a, And it wasn't my property or anything. I couldn't hunt there all the time and mm-hmm. just got lucky and that deer walked by. Um, but, anyhow, uh, you know, that, that was definitely a sanctuary. Um, and I don't, you're, you're probably right. That guy, I don't think he ever went in there because I don't, he never was a big shed hunter anyway. So, uh, I don't, I don't ever remember going in there. And I spent a long time, a lot of time with him. I mean, I essentially worked for him in the summertime, helping him with stuff too. So, um, so,
1: um, I believe there's a couple of reasons people have sanctuaries mm-hmm. and uh, people might not like the reasons I give, but <laughs> number one reason would be is that they've got too many people hunting their property. And if you hunt all over the place, yeah, right the Property. So they have yeah. the a different place to hide. Right. Uh, number yeah. two, is that they don't understand bedding and don't understand where deer are so they just mark off a section and say mm. don't go in there right so to me i mean if you take a section and you say don't ever go in there you kind of make it so that uh a giant buck can just live there forever and die of old age in there i mm-hmm. mean yeah you know your uh two three-year-olds and probably your fours will come out here and there and stuff but like we were talking about earlier with really big old bucks sometimes they'll just stay in those places and never come out you know Mm -hmm. um on the other hand if you've got a good area that's got bedding areas in it you really don't want to push the envelope so for me i go into those spots like there's spots at dave's where i know that's a bed area i go into that block of woods i'm gonna damage it yeah but there's a time to move in there's a time to, to slip in and I might slip in there once in a year or might not slip in there at all in a year, but that in itself makes it not a sanctuary. Yeah. You know, but most yeah. of the time I sit back, I watch, I wait for, you know, maybe I'll get to a point where I can see into the so-called sanctuary and I move in for a hunt. And that's where I was talking to you before that, where I had arguments with guys where they're like, you have to have a sanctuary. And I was like, "Sanctuary is, a, you, you know, you shouldn't have a sanctuary. And, and then you find out, well, I'll hunt in a sanctuary every now and then, but it's not like I hunt to other places. Well, it's the exact yeah. same thing I do, but I don't call it a sanctuary. Because a sanctuary. It means you don't hunt in it, but, um, uh, I pretty much don't, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah. But I slip in when I need to, you know, you gotta, you gotta know when to make the move, but I also know enough about betting that I know precisely where the bucks are bedded.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And if you don't, and you're going into those areas and you don't, understand how the wind's going to go and where the deer are and stuff. Well, then you can do a lot of damage, but you have to get within a certain distance of that buck or hope and pray that you're in a tree on that farm someplace the day that buck one day out of the year or whatever, he comes out and moves
0: around the farm during daylight. Right. You know? Right. Um, how big of an area, Dave's, is that, you know, your sanctuary where well, you're, you're betting
1: area. There's two of them. Um, one of them is probably, I want to say, if you took the whole thing, yeah, 10 or 15 acres, yeah, maybe a little bigger. And the other one is probably about uh, four acres, five acres,
0: yeah, yeah, that's that's big enough where. if you didn't get in there on them, they wouldn't come out of that area, you know?
1: Right. I mean, uh, there's a lot of times you get a glimpse of something in there and it doesn't come out in daylight a lot of
0: times. Yep. We have, I don't know. I've I've often thought about like if I was going to not, and I'm awful about not going in because I hunt so aggressively, but, um, you know, uh, on the one piece of private I have, uh, that would, I could probably get away with considering something, a sanctuary, you know, I don't, I don't even know if I, if it, if it would be, you know, I got, there, it's, it's so, um, uh, it's so big per se, cause it's like a CRP field and all that. Like, I, I don't know if I'd end up killing anything if I would stay out of there, you know, right. that's, that was, that's what I've always struggled with.
1: If you put me on a property, me personally, and there's yeah. a buck that lives there all the time and I get the season to hunt there. I will get that buck in front of me. Yeah. But if I got a sanctuary, I got a place I can't go. It's just like, I have less property.
0: Yeah. And I hunt
1: hunt all properties that I hunt like a sanctuary. I go in there one hunt precision move, go in there Mm -hmm. and set up where I have to do the kill them in and out one time. That's how Mm -hmm. I hunt it all. You know, that's how I'm always hunting. So, um, to sit Mm -hmm. back and sit on a food plot or something just isn't my, uh, style hoping for them to make a mistake yeah
0: and then uh, uh something else that i like from for me uh, in my particular case is like i constantly have dogs running around in the, on that property yep. you know every almost every, every every week i get a new set of dogs that run through that area um you know we got people messing around out there you know there's a right. bird hunter that can hunt out there yep. you know it's like it's like
1: some guy tracking know, a deer some guy trespassing dogs, yep. coyotes, coyotes do just as much damage as people. They go run into those bedding areas and hunt deer. And yeah. you know, um, But the trick with it is not camping out there. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean, you don't go out there and you hunt, you, you, you know, when I hunt a spot, even on public land, when I hunt a specific bedding area, I don't think people go into it's overlooked. Mm-hmm. If I go in there more than twice a year, they go dead. I stopped seeing deer there for years. Yep. It's literally that...
0: precision moves, you know? Yep. And that's what, uh, on our uh, on our private farm, we're we're going to do a little bit better job this summer of setting up some preset stands this mm-hmm. year in those in those areas that we have you know moved in mobily and killed deer. Um, mostly because my you know, my dad moved moved back home or moved back down here by me, so he's going to be hunting more, uh, and then Maddie's hunting a little bit more and this and that. And it's just kind yeah. of you know it's a pain And, for them and you know what?
1: Know. And, and when you talk about the sanctuary thing, I mean that helps too because you can yeah. I've got stands in those key positions that are in what you'd call a sanctuary or some people would call a sanctuary, right? Yep. But I might only hunt it once every other year or something, but it's there. Right. I'm not sitting there dangling over the top of a bed of deer trying to set a stand there because, you know, if you got complete access to the property and you only want to hunt there, why not? Yep. yep. Yeah. The We're trouble, with, you know, some of the positions you go to, there's several trees you could hunt and you could either put a stand in every one of them right next to each other. Yeah. Or you can go into the one that's got the right wind or whatever for the day. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. That is a struggle. And that's something you guys, you could always make a move with your mobile setup if you had to. Right.
1: Uh, But there are key uh, positions where there is only one tree. Oh yeah. Yeah. One spot you have to be, you know, and yeah, for sure. Another thing I do too is on the um, sides of where these deer hang in this area. Yep. Uh, there's a couple spots where there's a heavy fence and brush line that you really can't push through too easy. So the deer come in and out from certain ways. So you go to this fence and you go up a tree and you're hanging over, shooting into the so-called sanctuary from the outside without ever stepping mm-hmm. in there. And I don't think deer to the, for the most part, but two and two together that on that <laughs> side of the fence you're looking into that side. They smell you over there and they're they're. they're Okay, he's over there. You know, I don't think when they walk all the way around that fence and they come to the other side, they can reason that right. that's where they are over there. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right.
0: You think, uh, like for example, your your properties, uh, your property at Dave's. There, um, is it okay to go in there and shed hunt and and mess around there in the summertime, putting up a stand? Yeah, but like I don't want
1: to do it a lot. Yeah, so I go I go in and I do what I need to do, and I get out. So at Dave's, I know the farm inside out, so I don't have to really uh, scout. Right, right. Per day, right. I know where they're at. I mean, it's been the same for years. It shifts a little. About every five years or so, I should take a walk around and just see if something's changed. Right. But yep. otherwise, I stay out of there. But for sheds, I'll walk through it. I'll look, especially if there's a big one laying there or hanging there. Sometimes I don't even look for sheds because I'm not really. Honestly, yeah, right. For sheds, personally. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll go in there and I'll get the intel I need to get. And I get out and I like to do it in winter because I think in winter, they moved their bedding so far that a lot of times they're not even in there. So if you wait till the snow melts, you can see the beds and stuff, but the deer aren't even really there because they shift. They migrate out a little bit. Um, but if they are there, if it's a place where they bed all year and you kick them out in winter, it's a long time for them to settle. And they, uh, they do get kicked out a few times, but where a guy will make a mistake is he'll go in there, he'll kick them out of there. He'll look at the bedding area. He'll figure some things out and he'll get an idea of what he wants. And he leaves and he's like, ah, oh, I should have a path in there. I, you know, I, I don't know what tree I should be in. Goes back in later, marks a trail to there. And he tries to figure out a tree, figures out a tree. And he comes back later and he sets up a stand, cuts some shooting limbs and stuff like that. And lanes and that kind of uh, damage does way more damage than people think. Those, yeah, deer, sure. those deer will actually, you know, track you. Where you went, smell where you've been, and when you do it a couple of days in a row, they'll realize that and they'll stay away from those areas. I've watched where they track me through through properties in the snow, follow my footprints, fo- follow them right to my setups, smell my stuff. You know, And it's like you know where you put a, put a, your sticks on and stuff. It's amazing how uh, inept they are at just figuring you out. You know. Oh yeah. So uh, you get in, you get to figure out what you need, and you leave. And if I'm going into a place close to bedding. I hate cutting limbs or anything, changing anything. Yeah. I will only do what I absolutely have to. And I'll get into areas like on public land where you find somebody set up and they've got like a swath cut, like where there ain't a tree all the way to where they're going to shoot. And it's (laughs) like the damage that they do, they don't even realize they'll see deer. So they don't know that they did damage. Right. Um, But seeing deer isn't the key. It's seeing the animal you want to kill.
0: That's right. Oh, I remember uh, uh, I had a workshop one year. We went to one of your spots, you know, and uh, someone had prepped a tree for a climber and they'd had shot, they'd like cut down whole trees like with a chainsaw on public land. I mean, I don't know if they use a chainsaw or not, but that's what it looked like uh, to the point they where it
1: was... They ruined that spot. That was such a good spot. They're still going in there. You know what happened at that spot? Not to change What's the bad? subject too much, but that's right. Uh, a local guy in town was an old guy, yeah. Shot a giant 12 pointer, he just stumbled into that area and shot it. That makes and he sense. told everybody that he shot it there. <laughs> no, it gets all kinds of pressure. Like, he didn't even That's hide funny. where he shot. Oh, I shot it right on that the point there, going in the cattails, you know, right? Yeah.
0: That's funny. Did uh, I also wanted to like talk about, like, I, I kind of almost think about like every place I hunt is almost a sanctuary in a way. Cause if it wasn't, you know, a, a big buck wouldn't, wouldn't be there. Mm-hmm. Um So, you know, by definition, almost our the way we hunt, we're where we hunt, you know, sanctuaries. And if there Elizabeth
1: wasn't a sanctuary. it isn't. and that's what I was saying. It's, yeah. It depends on a guy's definition. Yeah. The definition of the sanctuary is you do not ever go in there.
0: Yeah. But my point, my point is, is like, so in
1: hunting-wise, I can understand a sanctuary is you don't go in there during or around hunting season. But even if yeah. you go in winter, you're doing damage.
0: Yeah, Anytime sure.
1: you go in winter, you're doing damage. So I'd rather do damage for a hunt, one hunt during the hunting season, and then slip back out than I would, you know. Right. So the the trick is, though, I mean, if you do kick that deer out of there, real good chance your neighbors shoot it. Yeah. I can think of a deer that was bedding into this deer was in the one eighties. It was bedding in this, uh, uh, area of the cattails, pretty much this real close to the area where I shot that real big buck two years ago. Mm -hmm. And there's a couple spots they would bed. And I thought, well, if we push him, he'll bed in this other spot over here on this, but it's Island, you know? Mm
0: -hmm. So uh,
1: I had somebody, I went over by that Island and I had somebody push around in there and long story short, I ended up, the buck did relocate to me, but I spooked it. From there too
0: mm-hmm.
1: and the next day my neighbor shot it all the way across the marsh and it's because we pushed him out of there if we would have just left him alone yeah. you know maybe i could have made precision moves and went in there after him so i mean bumping him is not always a good thing because where he relocates he might get killed especially right. if we bump him before gun season right
0: right so i understand yeah. the
1: mentality in it but i think there comes a time when you have to make a precision move or you're just going to let the deer die old age. I mean, you're there to just pick up his sheds every year or are you there to kill him?
0: Right. You know? Right. Yeah. And, um, I mean, I had it happen. It could have been, it could have been something I did this year. I had a really big deer on uh, camera at a, a, a farm. I don't, not real familiar with, you know, or, or, uh, an area I'm not real familiar with. Um, and I, uh, you know, I, I went in there early season and kind of did a little scouting around on my, with the stand on my back uh, not knowing I had this deer on camera, you know, I went and pulled the car and ended up having the camera. And uh, after that time I went in there, I never got that deer on camera again. Mm-hmm. Well, at, at church, like two weeks ago, a guy came up to me. He's like, oh, look, I killed this deer uh, down there around where you you hunt at, you know, or and um, it's probably two miles from where I was. I was at it's where he was hunting at and that's he ended up shooting it up. Mm-hmm. There is the exact same deer. In fact, I got some sheds from, him, and I was going to go give it to him next time I see him. But, um, yeah, it's something that runs through my mind all, all the time. Is like, uh, how much damage a guy, guy does. And it's hard, it, but it's hard to make those right decisions every single time. You, well, you, you, know, hunt, you, you know, know, I've seen,
1: I've seen, uh, uh, where you got like a, a really good, like a little micro Island or something where a box, of yep. dead red out of it. and I'd go in there and I'd hunt it precision one time out of a year, occasionally twice if I knew something really big was hanging there Mm -hmm. but other than that I'd stay out of it and I'd always have good bucks in there when I'd go in there right one year you go back there there's a trail camera and a tree stand yep and a path to it right yep and uh the guy would hunt there for a couple years because his first hunt or two were really good yep or something on his camera right right and then if you just go completely dead you wouldn't find a rub there or anything when when it was a haven right Right. And the guy leaves. And it'll take a couple of years for those deer to come back. Yep. Yep. It's amazing how long it takes before they trust that area again.
0: Yep. And it's it's amazing how uh hunters will get a picture of a deer and just like lose their mind too. And like like just that's all they do now is hunt that spot, you know, it's like that deer was there. Sooner
1: or later he'll come through. He came through in daylight, sooner or later he'll come through, which is yeah, that's nothing further from the truth. You keep hunting it and He'll come through. He'll smell you were there and then he'll get nocturnal. He'll stay away. And...
0: Yeah. 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 I had a, uh, this is funny. I sold some trail cameras at a yard sale. My uncle and aunt have a yard, big yard sale every year. And I had some old trail cameras, uh, uh, whatever I was wanting to get rid of them, I got rid of them at this yard sale. And I, I, I wasn't there. This old man bought them though. And he, uh, in October, I was, I was mowing my grass or something. He saw me outside. And he knew, he knew they were mine from the yard sale. And, uh, he like pulled in my driveway real quick and You're I didn't know. I heard one of them. <laughs> huh? No, <laughs> no, I guess I had one of them, uh, password coded or something. Oh, or he couldn't get into it. And he pulled in he goes, Hey, I bought your trail cameras from your yard sale. And I said, he said, what's your password on it? I said, I can't use the one cause a password code. And I said, I told him and, uh, he's like, yeah, if I got, uh, I got, uh, that one camera I, I bought off of you, works real good. I got it out and I got a big picture, big buck on there. He goes, I got to get this other one out so I can get another picture of him. I'm like, well, there you go. Go ahead and go get some more pictures of him. It was funny. Um, yeah, some people yeah, had, uh, uh,
1: get so get so uh, addicted to those trail cameras Yeah. that uh, they got to they gotta make up their mind whether they want to hang portraits of the deer on their walls or they want to hang the head on the wall, you know? Yep.
0: Yeah. And this, you know, I, this guy, he was just, you could tell he was super obsessed with that deer, but in a bad way where he was just like, you know, he's trying to spread trail cameras out, yeah. you know, to um, get pictures of it. Uh, and I don't, you know.
1: That's the way people hunt know. nowadays. I mean, you see these guys, they just throw out 10 trail cameras and watch the trail cameras and wait for one to take.
0: Yeah. These weren't cell cameras. Though. These were just regular yeah, SD card them. cameras. So, so I'm sure he was, you know, checking them a whole bunch and stuff. Uh but anyway, it was it was just funny that he tracked me down to get my code off there. <laughs> but anything else about sanctuaries? We've been on for about 45 minutes now. We could probably start QA's there
1: probably be some questions about it. I'm once yeah. we're saying
0: yeah yeah I'm sure there will be let me put the link to get on here in the comments section. If you guys hop on uh just make sure you're at an appropriate area because you will be on camera and uh also uh, you'll be live so try to uh be appropriate in the manner of trying not to say any cuss words and all that kind of stuff. Um all right let's look for some questions. I just put that link in the comments. Someone asked uh what kind of binoculars do we like to use? Even. Yeah and I Um, if you want, I don't know how specific you want to get, but like, I, I really like, uh, I got 10, some 10 by 42s from them. I really like, they're like a
1: B1 and I really like them because they're big binoculars and, uh, I can see a long distance, but they're compact. So I really like the 10 by fifties, but they are a little bit big for bow hunting, but I get them in my vest in the front and
0: I'm good. Yep. Yep. Mine are a little more compact in the, than the fifties. But you take your binoculars
1: every time, right?
0: I didn't, I wasn't as religious about this year as what I had been, uh, okay. in, in the past, but yeah, I take them a lot. I take them so, a lot. So I lot. take
1: mine, uh, only in spots where I think I can see a distance. So yeah. I take mine out probably one out of every 10 hunts, maybe even, maybe even less than that. Yeah. But, uh, when I'm in an observation spot or something, yeah. You know, like it was last time I hunted, then I take them along.
0: Yeah. Where I and use it, binoculars. It
1: worse than having a deer at like 400 yards and it looks big but you can't tell yeah sometimes yeah. you put the binoculars on and it's a big two-year-old or something and and you would have went and made a move or or something yeah. binoculars on and it's a lot bigger than you thought and then now you know you have to
0: right that's a good point um i use them a lot when i'm scouting like i i always have them with me when i'm scouting or shed hunting and stuff so that's i mean i use them a lot then too i i like having a good set of binoculars maven uh Maven has a couple options, too, uh, as far as your price point. They have like a C-Series that's a little more affordable. Um, and they also have some really high-end ones that are really nice. But anyway, that's what we use. Let's see here. Someone, Corey Olson, gave me a $2 donation. Thanks, Corey. Thanks, Corey. Uh, he, ha- he he asked our thoughts on ground-blind effectiveness.
1: Well, ground blinds are okay if you leave them in a, in a spot for a long time um i use uh actual blinds like uh i got a tight Wee uh blind one of those ones that's uh the new ones they got that are see-through from the inside out yeah i got one of those set up on my food plot in my yard i've never hunted out of it but i put it down there, set it up with the thoughts of doing it um or letting somebody else hunt out of it but um uh, as long as it's sitting there for a long time in a spot where they feed and and it's not too close to bedding, it works great. But if you're talking hunting out of the ground, I don't usually use blinds if I'm getting close to bedding or something. I try to use natural cover. Yeah. Because they they notice anything that changes and they're really delicate around bedding areas. So Mm -hmm. actually putting blinds out where I hunt mature bucks, I usually don't. Um, I might, you know, try it where there's a food source or something and leave it there for a long time.
0: Almost um, like a preset spot, almost, right?
1: Yeah, the ground blind I got out here, I have not hunted, and it's been out there for a month or so.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a lot of guys shoot deer out of them. I just, I just, I've never had much experience hunting out out of one. Um, Mm -hmm. I've hunted turkeys out of them a little bit with a bow, but... Um, I've killed deer off the ground with a bow, you know, but it's more like natural ground blinds or, you know, finding
1: actual- what, I mean, if I was going to shoot a deer off the ground, being in a ground blind is the best way to do it. Because those, those, uh, tent type ground blinds that deer can't see in there, you can move around. Yeah. I think the biggest way people get busted off the ground is movement.
0: Oh yeah. yeah. Those
1: deer spot you. And I mean, it's hard to sit there still as a, a stone when you don't know there's a deer around and generally they slip within into a view where they can see you before you see them. Mm-hmm. So if you make a movement, they catch you, you know? So being in those, uh, in a ground blind where it looks and it sees a dark spot where the hole is that you're looking out of, that's, that's a, a great situation for shooting a deer. It's mm-hmm. just a hard situation to get away with, with a mature buck on pressured property.
0: Yep. hundred percent. All right let's see here um, someone asked Dan I'm getting I'm beginning to think that shining deer at night makes them avoid that spot what are your thoughts on that
1: it can um uh, I've seen deer that are very spooky to shining and uh, they will run out of the field or whatever um, mm-hmm. and avoid that spot yeah but uh, I generally ain't hunting them where I shine them I'm just yeah. locating the deer, and then I know the deer in the area, and I move to the deer. Um, I've seen deer that'll walk out in the same field night after night, even though you're shining them, and I've seen deer that when you, you shine them, they it's take off and shine come them back. Back. correct. Yep. Yeah. But hmm. um, regardless, once I know he's there, uh you know, that's what yeah. that's yeah. that's the piece of the puzzle I needed. My scouting. My understanding of the landscape, how deer travel through the landscape, where they bed, that comes into play after that, and then I figure out where that deer lives. It's not really, I'm not sitting over the the field or food plot or right, you know, grassy area that I shine him in, because that's at night. That's where he is at mm-hmm. night. That's not where he's at during the day.
0: Yep, for sure. All right, all right. I got another donation here, Joey Mo. Let's see what he says. Would a mature buck in a big wood setting prefer a sanctuary with low quality food or bedding with some pressure but high quality food? (laughs) We have to read that one again. Okay. So
1: I would say a deer, a mature buck, is going to prefer safety over food. I've watched uh, mature bucks bed out in, uh, marshes that are completely underwater, two miles from a crop field, get up at dark and move towards that crop field when there's bedding closer. But the difference is that where he's at is secure. I've watched that many times. Um, then when you see pressure on the land, you'll see a whole bunch of deer back there, the young ones too, once they get pressure, right? But the mature bucks are, seem to be back there all the time. Now, that's not to say that mature bucks won't bed next to food, they do it all the time. But right. as soon as there's any kind of pressure or something and they feel uncomfortable, they're moving to secure bedding. So they're going to prefer secure bedding and they move their bedding around constantly, too. I mean, they might bed two miles from the food source because they don't feel secure next to the bed and then the wind changes and now they feel secure next to the, to the food or whatever and they move to it. Right. Yeah. So it can change day to day too. Um, but, uh, security over food.
0: Yep. I was going to say the exact same thing. Um, they're going to prefer being in a good, good hiding spot versus having a little food cause they'll, they'll go a couple miles to go eat somewhere, you know? Right. Um, all right, here's one for you, Dan. This guy says he's in Wisconsin, newbie outside. If if you are going to hunt tomorrow, what kind of terrain and habitat would you key in on?
1: Where I am at, where I am planning to hunt tomorrow, is dense swamp uh, that has food and cover in it in this time of the year because we got deep snow. Well, not deep snow, but we got snow cover and everything. Uh, we got all the grass knocked down and stuff, and those deer are going to be where there's cover and they're gonna be kind of congregated. So um, my plan is to go to a swamp where I've been keying in on um, a very large herd of deer. I'm trying to get a little closer.
0: There you go, newbie. All right, I think this is Heath Jones. I think this is a guy that I, I, I used to know when I was younger. Uh, lives here in town, but, uh, mostly because his name's Heath Jones and he, he has to be born around 89, but, uh, he wants to know how you get started with trad hunting and shooting. And, uh, there's like how I got started was, uh, a YouTube channel called the push. I, I did a lot of research on their YouTube channel. They got a whole bunch of good stuff on trad hunting. Also clay Hayes is another one that I watched a whole bunch. Um, if you, if you want to, there's a, guy named Tom Clum that has like an online class you can take to learn how to shoot one. It's pretty good. Um, but yeah, there's all just YouTube stuff, man. That's the best way. That's how about everybody can learn anything anymore. But those two guys, the, the push and then Clay Hayes is who I would look for. If you're going to, if you want good information on it, because there's a lot of information that, you know, probably isn't the best for new people uh, getting into it. So, uh, let's see here. Someone said they just ordered some bee sticks and are retiring the Lone Wolf ones, Dan. Nice, good to hear that. All right, here's another question from Hell Yeah. <laughs> oh, uh, he says, "How do you set up for bucks coming back to betting? So I think he's talking about morning hunts. Yep. Yep. Um, I, would, I would think I would think the bucks want the wind in his favor. When you hunt bedding, do you keep the winds in your face or do you try to give him an off win?
1: So um, evenings are better in in that regards because in the evening they just come out and head towards food or whatever. They just leave the bedding, right? They feel secure. They know what's Mm -hmm. been around them all day and they just get up and they go. But in the morning, um, what you're thinking is right. They do want to circle the bedding, smell it before they go into it. And they want to come in with the um, wind window nose, turn around and face downwind so that they can smell anything coming from behind them and they can see their back trail so that they can see the trail they came in on, which makes it problematic for sitting, setting up on. Now, um, what I have noticed with mornings um, and the many times I've observed deer go into bedding is that they tend to, um, when they come in and they go downwind of the bedding, they tend to follow the the first hard transition and there's almost always one in bedding because they bed in little thickets right so mm-hmm. there's always some sort of uh, cover change nearby and that like first transition usually you know whether it's a 100 yards or you know if it's hill country um like the bottom of the hill they'll get to a spot and a curve and they'll go up and you look for where the terrain is where they would do that and there's usually not the trails that you see with them coming out of bedding And the reason for that is, is because they're using the wind to go into the bedding. So the trail might change daily, right? It might be about the same area or whatever. But for me, I, um, I generally have a hard time setting up on that transition, hitting it right, not having that deer downwind, but having them in range. So I tend to back off even a little further in the mornings and just try to get them heading towards bedding. So maybe I'm like 200 yards back in the mornings. Rather than right over the top of the bed. Now, um, I have seen some unique um scenarios for morning hunting where you can get in a position where you can shoot like into the bedding um without the deer getting downwind of you because of an obstacle, like a river or an open field, they don't want to go through open fields, things like that. Um, so you can use certain things in terrain to your advantage. Um, and occasionally they just, you know, they're animals. Occasionally they don't come in with the wind to nose or whatever, but yeah, usually the mature ones do.
0: And that's a, I mean, that's where the theory of the J hook comes into play, right, Dan? Correct. They're trying to yeah. get in position. Oh, um, would it be worth talking about the J hook, or do you, I guess you kind of explained it there in your,
1: your yeah, script. it's pretty much an explanation of it. Yeah. The J hook is when, uh, uh, a deer is coming from away towards the bedding and he doesn't want to walk in there in case it's a trap because that's where he beds. And if you know, there could be a coyote waiting for him, a hunter waiting for him, whatever. So they swing around to the downwind side, they hook the area and they smell it before they come in. Um, there, there, you know, when you start studying them and you start tracking them and stuff, you start seeing all kinds of stuff like that, that, and it all starts coming together. Like, uh, Especially if you track a wounded deer, um, which, uh, unfortunately, I'm starting to get good at. Uh, <laughs> you, you watch them walk into, like, an open field, and they're walking the edge of it. And all of a sudden, they turn into the trees and walk around, and you come back to the same tree line, and you find where they were watching you as you walked by, and you feel like an idiot. You know, they'll, they'll yeah, hook yeah. all the way around and watch your back trail. They do that a lot. And when they go in in the morning to bed, that's exactly what they do is they take a trail where they can see their trail and they watch it from the bed and they smell behind them. So if anything's like scent tracking am like a, a coyote's coming up its trail, and it doesn't even have to be where there's wolves or anything like that anymore. They still do that instinctively from over time. It's it's built into their DNA, you know. Right. They, uh, they watch your back trail and they smell from behind. So that's if you think about it, it's ingenious because they cover everything. Right. And it, it smell you if you come from one way; they can see if you come from the other. It's a pretty smart way of doing things.
0: Um, so people are asking. There's a bunch of people that have been asking lately. We can touch on it. We don't really know anything, but uh, about the public land challenge. It doesn't sound sound like we're going to do that this year. Everybody. Yeah.
1: Well, what um, Aaron told me that. Uh, uh, he didn't think he was going to do it this year and if he did it would be late and it's already late and it's past the time he said he would if he was going to so i don't think he's doing it um i yeah. think that they really want to do more of uh more of the uh their successful hunts you know um and uh, you know enjoy uh the places that they go and they have a lot of success at and that's their prerogative i think the uh, public land challenges are a great thing i, I hope they continue to do them but uh, I don't think they're doing it this year.
0: Yeah. Um, anyway. All right. Let's see here. Okay. This is a, a question from Pennsylvania boys. He says for scouting in season and you find a buck bed, how soon after could you hunt that bed?
1: I would say you probably want to hunt it immediately or don't hunt it at all. Um, Because once they come in there and smell that you're near the bed, they get real uneasy about it. They're probably at least going to shift or do something different or make sure they really smell to see if you're in the area before they come in. Um, But if they're going to come back, they generally come right back. Yeah. And usually, you know, beds have a uh, timing thing to them. So I've said this before, but it seems to me that... uh, through the studies I've done with trail cameras and with watching deer and, and um, with monitoring when I see deer in certain bedding areas year after year after year, I'm beginning to believe that there's like a two week window when those bedding areas peak for a mature buck. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't say he's there every day, but in that period of time is when he's there the most, you know, like a two week period. And, uh, if you're waiting a week or two or longer, good chance you know the animal you're after isn't there anymore
0: right right all right here's a question from select hunts how do you guys come up with your youtube channel and brand names Mm. uh you want to start dan with the hunting beast um
1: i just felt like uh uh beast was a good way to describe um the way, um, we go about hunting, how we, uh, y- y- you know, uh, it's more of a, I don't know, to, to me, uh, you, you, know, more and more I find, uh, that when I'm hunting and I tell a story, like, uh, say you asked me about some buck, you know, what, what's your favorite buck story or whatever. I find mm-hmm. myself telling you the story of the struggles and, uh, embracing the struggle more than I am the, the story of some big buck. You know what I'm saying? It's yep. about the beast inside of you. You know, it's about, uh, the struggles and the, um, uh, the hardship and uh, the earning it kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Um, so hunting beasts kind of like a, a sports beast is a guy who, you know, will just pound it and overwork right. himself and just go as far as he can and as strong as he can. And it's the same thing with hunting. So that's where I came up with my name.
0: Yep. Uh, I've talked about mine before on the podcast, but it's, uh, um, I was reading a book, I can't remember the book, what it's called, but there was a chapter called Before the Echo, and it was about a, it was like a mountain man book, Um, and it was about uh, what the, um, the mountain man was out trying to hunt something for his family, and he he was talking about what it feels like before you pull the, you know, in his case, the trigger, uh, and all the emotions, and all the preparation, and why he's doing it, and all that, that he thinks about before he, pulls the trigger, which was before the echo. So I've jacked it off some guy that was way smarter than me that could articulate that kind of thing better, but I thought it was a cool name. Um, and I've had it, I've had it for, you know, this YouTube channel was around before we started all this, um, Mm -hmm. I've had it for a long time, but, uh, anyway, yeah, that's where it came from. So. Next one here, Joseph Ferguson. He asked me, "What saddle do I use as my safety harness?" It's actually not a saddle. It's a, it's like a proper safety harness. It's, it's a like a rock climbing style one though. Mm. It's not a saddle. You wouldn't want to use it as a saddle. It'd be super uncomfortable. But it's made by a uh, Tacta saddle, and it's called the TBWS is what it's called. So if you just Google that, if you want to look at it, that's what it is. Um, Jason sent we something
1: like that too. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. yeah he has the uh, rock climbing
0: harness yeah Jason Sam Koviak is helped design that one so it's pretty well made and uh comfortable and stuff like that some of the rock style harnesses for rock climbers aren't really that good for tree stand hunters you know and this one was designed a little bit better for deer hunters mm. um anyway that's what I use I use it because it's just it's little and light and effective as I mean. I needed a, I needed a new safety harness. Mine had I'd had mine for since I was like fifteen, uh, so I, I got that one this year. Your safety harness is probably older than that, Dan.
1: Yeah, yeah, I got a yeah. Hunter Safety Systems harness I've had forever.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Stitches it
1: so by riding and stuff, so when I fall, I'll probably fall on my chair. <laughs> <laughs>
0: have you ever? Have you ever? uh fell out of a tree stand, Dan, or got caught by your safety harness or anything like that? I have
1: fell out of a tree stand several times when I was younger. Oh, really? Since I started wearing a harness, I've never fallen out. i never slipped, nothing, but I'm a little more safer now. I used to be kind of wild when I was younger.
0: Yeah. I, I think one imagine. of the
1: worst falls I ever had, Um, it probably should have killed me. Um, yeah. Me, me and a buddy, Um, I don't know, about 17, 18 um, we went into this public woods and it was, uh, um, before deer season. Um, we put out this pile of corn and we we're going to hunt squirrels over the top of it for practice. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I don't, I don't know, you know, you know, when you're young, you're stupid and you think that's fun. Yeah. Uh, right. But, uh, we we're going to shoot some squirrels over this pile of corn and we went out and uh, I went up this pine tree way up and, uh, I had made a tree stand. I made a little square platform, little tiny platform. You know, I'm always making crap, right? Yeah. This is yeah. before I was an R&D pro, right? And uh, I I made it really lightweight with some little angles to bolt to the tree and stuff. And uh, I probably made it a little too light. And uh, I had a chain that went around the tree, and went into a slot, and uh, we got up in their trees. He was on one side and I was on the other. He was going to shoot the first squirrel, I shoot the second squirrel, and so forth. And we get up there and we get set up and like five minutes later, in the middle of the day, a 10 pointer comes walking and starts eating corn. We're like looking at each other like, what? <laughs> we're just yeah. watching this thing, And I'm looking at it and I, 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 didn't have a harness on, uh, young and stupid. And even, even though, I mean, back in those days, the harnesses were killing people. You're probably yeah. better off now <laughs> than a harness. Yeah. But uh, yeah. nowadays at least they're they work. But, uh, yeah. I was leaning way out on this uh, little tiny platform looking at this deer. And what I didn't realize is that uh, where I put that chain into that slot was bending. And all at hmm. once it just blew up the tree. And I was just like instantly airborne. My bow went flying one way or whatever. And the only thing that saved me, because I was like, up about 30 feet, um, was I kept hitting uh, limbs and trying to grab them. Uh, yeah. And I ended up landing flat on my back. And it knocked the wind out of me, Um, and I I couldn't talk or anything. Uh, And uh, the guy I was with went scrambling out of his tree, started running towards his van, turned around, started running back to me, then running back to his van, and running back to me. Like, he didn't know what to do. He finally came over, and it took me a while to even be able to speak. I mean, it it screwed me up pretty bad. Yeah. And uh, I got home and uh, went to bed. I couldn't even move for a couple days, and I had a bruise my whole back was like black black and mm. purple it was bad it was like there's blood under the skin and stuff it was bad yeah that laid around for a couple of weeks and then eventually healed up but
0: mm. I've never fallen i I fell uh putting one up one time with a uh, I was putting those stupid screw in hooks or whatever and slipped and fell but I wasn't um I wasn't very high it was just a couple of them high I mean it's enough to it hurt but I didn't didn't get hurt or anything
1: screw uh, steps be so dangerous
0: oh yeah i hate them things yeah, uh, they would
1: rot a hole out and pop out you know they'd get loose after time because they'd rot the mm-hmm. hole or they would uh like a dead tree they'd pop out of or a pine they'd pop out of or worse yet um when it would get bitter cold out and I'd hunt really cold weather they if you use this, the thinner ones they would snap yeah. and i had one snap one time and break off and left a sharp point of steel mm-hmm. out of it and that cut mm-hmm. the whole side of my uh, calf open um mm-hmm. and um, probably should add stitches I used duct tape to hold that together <laughs> 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 but uh, yeah I've, I've had a few instances you know
0: yeah all right have you Joseph Ferguson asked if we have if you have any dates for workshops this upcoming year
1: I'm imagining they're going to be in February so I think yeah. we're going to book up February pretty heavy um, I'm going to check and see if, uh, uh, our friend up in, uh, Western Wisconsin wants to do some hill country ones over there again. And I'm certainly going to do some by me, but we might book up pretty much the whole month of February because, um, I mean, we got shows in March, we got seminars and I'm hunting in January. So, um, might be able to fit one in in March, but, uh, February is probably when you should expect it.
0: Yeah. Some people are asking us about doing hill country stuff in Indiana workshops. It'd be tough because we had
1: the right property, but you got to be able to fit all the cars in there and everything else.
0: I was just getting ready to say, you got to realize there's going to be 20 guys. You know, you got to have a place to put 20 trucks. And also you got to, I mean, I don't know, make sure that it's okay for the DNR and all that to have something like that going on. I mean,
1: I've had i I've contacted DNR in, in other States like, um, Um, Missouri told me if I came down there and, uh, taught people how to hunt, they'd arrest me. (laughs) Yep. So I've had other places like, uh, um, where the wardens are like, oh, that'd be great if you came out here. And, but I always call the warden first to make sure they're okay with that. If it's public.
0: Yeah. Um, well, Dan, I think we got through most of the, all the questions that I had seen. I saw Savannah was on here. We answered, we, we've been talking for 30 minutes about questions okay (laughs) um anyways what do you got going on for christmas are you guys doing any family stuff
1: yeah yeah i'm gonna get together with my daughter and uh grandkids and my sons and uh have a little meal and uh yeah
0: did you buy buy a bunch of stuff for your grandkids
1: yeah Mm -hmm. always do yeah
0: I don't even know why I buy my kid anything because my mom, I don't, he buys, she buys him enough crap that he would know no difference.
1: Well, my mom used to go so overboard. She didn't have any money and she would use everything she had to buy presents. Yep. it always made me feel bad because even when I was a grown adult, she'd get me like, you, you'd add it up and it's got to be over a thousand dollars worth of stuff. And you're like, you don't have any money. Why are you doing this?
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, my mom is the exact same way, Dan. I mean, to a T that's how she is. I mean, we all, I mean, she's a, a great person, and just would rather you know, just rather make someone else happy. Pappy, I think, is what the it boils down. To. She loves her family a lot, I guess. But hey, we got a call in, Dan. All right,
2: surprise! Hey,
0: haven't <laughs> seen you in a while.
2: <laughs> What's up, guys? How are you? Good. Good. How, are
0: you doing? Mm-hmm. How how's things been going in Savannah Outdoors?
2: Kind of slow. Kind of rough. um oh. Yeah. No, I I hunted this evening and actually um, got a really good picture of a nice buck on this. It's a piece of private property that I got permission to hunt. Um, And uh, it's not, it's just like a little block surrounded by city. Um, So I didn't have like a lot of hope that anything great would be in there. Um, And I had a camera just kind of on the edge of the wood line. And when I went in there and left it alone, and then I went in there to check it and was going to hunt while I checked it. And was surprised at what I seen on the on the camera. Um, yeah, but a uh, uh, couple of pictures of a really nice bug. The last time he was up there was like ten days ago, I think. Yeah, and um, no daytime pictures of him. So I didn't see anything when I set this evening, and now I don't know what to do. Like, was he just passing through, or is he out there somewhere? I can't. I'm not good at looking at a map and seeing, you know, where the, where I think the bedding is. Um, so I sat right where that trail camera was pretty much because I didn't want to, like, mess anything up. And, um I mean, that was, like, his picture was, like, literally, like, 50 yards inside the tree line right behind a bunch of, like, apartments.
1: Hmm. Yeah. He's probably living there. It sounds like a good spot from the height under everybody's nose.
2: Yeah. Uh The neighboring property, I think the this little block is... um is broken up into like little five acres. There's like five, five acres. And then um, the neighboring like 50 acres is um, posted. Like they've got a bunch of purple paint and stuff. So I know somebody hunts close by, um, but I don't think anyone hunts this, this little spot that I'm
1: hunting. Right. They might've driven them in there where you can hide in there. and.
2: That's away. what I was thinking. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. yeah and yeah. eat
1: at night, you know? So, yeah what you should probably do is just kind of like, I mean, take it easy so you don't chase them out of there, but going to make precision moves and and move around that property based on the wind and uh, getting good spots, but spots where you can also see a ways and just try to get an eyeball on them and, you know, get some sort of pattern.
2: Okay. Yeah. I I had a good wind today. Um, The access is really easy. So the wind was like blowing in my face toward the road where I know he's definitely not, you know, wouldn't have been behind me. And I stopped, like, when I seen that picture, I just stayed where I was. And so my wind would have just kept going behind me. um, And I was too scared. You know, it opens up all in front of me. And I was too worried to, like, go any further. Um, And I've just been looking at the map, trying to figure out, um, like, straight ahead and to the left, there's, like, some little points Mm -hmm. of hard trees or pines that open up into that um, that neighboring property that's posted that looks really open on the map. Is
1: it uh, flat land or is it uh, hilly or? Eh,
2: I think it's like it's flat. It's not like hills. Are um, there
1: any lowland areas in there,
2: like marsh,
1: where it gets down low and close to water mm-hmm.
2: level? Yeah, yeah.
1: I would expect them to be into something like that. Okay. So then it's a matter of where he's coming out.
2: Yeah. You know, in those
1: relatively flat properties, you look at like the highest elevation and the lowest elevation. Those are the two places where I expect the bucks to the mature bucks to come out of. Mm -hmm. And if you got any kind of thicket down where it's low, I would really expect them to be in there.
2: Okay.
1: So then it's just a matter of how he's coming out. And if you got a direction of travel, I mean you can go by kind of what you saw on the the camera, which Mm -hmm. way he was going when he went past and the time of day. Mm-hmm. And uh, try to figure out where he's heading. If he's heading for that other property, it's easy. You know he's going that way. He's going to be coming out of that, that end of the thicket somewhere, right? Mm-hmm. And try to move in without disturbing the area too much and do a quick hunt over there. And But keep moving. Don't hunt the same spot over and over again.
2: Right, right. No, yeah, tomorrow I had, my plan was to, you know, sit there and see if anything comes. And then tomorrow, um, depending on the wind, I'll push further in. But I don't want to like you know go too far in. I know everybody says that, and that's everybody's worrying stuff, and you just have to sometimes. But let me show you a picture of him if you can see If you can see it, really, hold on.
0: It's kind of got a glare to it. Yeah, yeah, it's too bright.
2: Oh man, I wish you could see it because it's it's pretty. He's a pretty nice one.
0: It looks like it. I I can see the top of his rack. Yeah. But
2: For me, anyways.
0: Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Savannah. I just
2: wanted to see what y'all thought about that. Thank you for the advice. I'll let you know how it goes.
0: Yeah, keep us uh, updated. We'll uh, we'll do some earlier ones so you can get on sometimes. Text me a,
1: text me a point, maybe I'll uh, take a look at it for you.
2: Okay, I'll do that. All right,
0: see you, Savannah. Thanks. Bye. See Bye. Savannah went on a was at the Battle of Bows with us. That's who that was. If you guys didn't.
1: Yeah, she had a heartbreaker her. there, where she had that uh, eight pointer come past her just out of shooting range.
0: Yeah, cruise to her, yep. she
1: didn't try and take a long poke or anything. She
0: yep. yeah, right. We got another uh, donation with an interesting question, Dan. He says Adam. He asked, uh, "Who is the best beast hunter and non-best non-beast hunter in your opinion?"
1: Hmm. <laughs> Out of anybody <laughs> in the world, or
0: I don't know, maybe
1: uh... the best beast hunter you know if you're if you're actually talking of the people i know that hunt our style uh that's a hard question i don't know um yeah i would say nowadays it's it's looking like you josh <laughs> no, no so, you know
0: who i i think the guy that probably deserves that title is probably andy may that mm-hmm. guy he kills yeah he kills killer. four and, and i mean i think he hunts pretty well like we hunt you know yep. um he kills four or five bucks a year and he's done that for a i think they said he's got he's that's why like i kind seven, of said in
1: our circle kind of thing or yeah of our circle he used to be on the site quite a bit and stuff in the in back in the day but nowadays
0: yeah. i don't hear from him much. i guess here's what i think of this question i think of like public land hunter that doesn't have their own property and all that and then i think of guys like lee lakoski and mark jury is like a uh, non non beast i guess that's in my mind where i went
1: um, you go but, back far enough. I like, I like Miles Keller. Yeah, he did. He did what I'm doing now back in the day, you know? Yeah. And he really, uh, really knocked it out of the park.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, non beast hunter. Jeez. You know, um, I like Tim Wells. Um, yeah. I wouldn't be the best hunter. He's on a really cushy land for, for deer, but I, I just like his style. He's fun to watch. Um, But I think, uh, you know, I think um, a lot of people might not like hearing this from me, but I like Mark Drury a lot. I think the guy
0: knowledgeable. I was getting ready to say that. Uh, And also, people don't realize this, but, like, when him and his brother were first getting into filming, like, they have a lot of kills on public land, like, too. Like, a lot of their, uh, a lot of those early deer hunts you see of them were on public land. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I like uh, and, Lee and uh, Tiffany too. Um, not not that they're—I think they're great hunters. but I think they're great people. I really, mm-hmm. you know, I've mm-hmm. uh, met them a few times, and I just think that they're just down to earth, nice, nice people.
0: I look up to Lee Lukowski a lot because he's like he kind of he did what I'm doing now a little bit. Like he had a super good job when I did too. He was an engineer. I wasn't an engineer. I'm not that smart, but like he's working a extremely high-paying job and uh i guess like in september one september they told him he had this new job a new job or something he had to do and he wasn't going to get a hunt in october and he october first he came to work and he was so mad because he wasn't going to get to hunt in october he just quit (laughs) and and moved to iowa (laughs) yeah he just quit i guess he came home and told tiffany he's like hey you want to move to iowa and she's like well, I, maybe. And then she's like, he's like, I quit my job. <laughs> but it's, it's a pretty entertaining story. If you ever hear if you could hear it, ever find him telling it, but that's how he started. I was, he was, I was like, at
1: the uh, Minnesota deer classic and they used to go there every year. And I believe the classic paid them to go there because they got such a big crowd if they were there. Yeah. And, uh, uh, they had the line would go down the street and go in the door through where you give the tickets straight to their booth and then people would be walking around the show and yeah. we're getting paid to be at the show and the amount of DVDs they used to sell. Cause that was back in the DVD days.
0: Yeah.
1: The, um, they had to make a fortune at those shows and everybody that would go buy it, have their a bag with their stuff in it, you know? Yeah. But, uh, yeah. um, that show, the bathroom was really nasty. It it was a, a sports arena. Yeah. And if you walked into the public bathroom for the place for men, it was mm-hmm. a trough and you all stood around looking across at each other while you, while you urinated, yeah. yeah. You know? but they gave the vendors a, um, vendor's lounge. So you wouldn't have to use those. So you had your own place to go. So the vendor's lounge was, uh, um, uh, the locker room for the arena. Yeah. So it was where the sports stars went, you know, when they played yeah. football or whatever. So, right. uh, you go in there and they have a, a table set up with coffee and donuts and stuff. And then they got the urinals on the wall. So I go in and I'm using the urinal and, uh, uh, two fellows come walking in and, uh, the ladies locker room is across from us, you know, and that's the ladies exhibitor lounge. These two guys come in and I recognize them right away. It's her, uh, couple of bouncers that work for her. Cause she had protection or, you know, a couple guys that would just like stand at the garden, and make sure that when they came in, like shook her hand or something, they didn't get a little weird. Yeah, and they come in here arguing about something. I wasn't really paying much attention, but one of the guys was new or something and did something wrong, and they're arguing. And uh, I'm over peeing, and uh, Tiffany comes walking right in. I I spin my head around, and she goes, Oh, hi, Dan. I'm like, Hi, yeah, my job just got my coffee and left. And I just thought that was weird. I don't think she'd like it too much if I walked into
0: the The woman's bathroom, yeah.
1: But it really wasn't a bathroom, but it was just they had I to be on the wall open. Yeah, she,
0: that is weird.
1: weird. I think hmm. that's the last time I ever saw her.
0: She's last probably time. the only one of the only women around. I mean, back, especially back in the days, but
1: yeah, she's a, she, she's a pretty nice girl. I mean, just yeah, nice down to earth kind of
0: you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, I was going to say my pick for the best non beast hunter was going to be Mark Jury. I've listened to him on some stuff he he do, he'll make your head spin uh, uh about how much he knows about deer and like how
1: yeah he's you know, a smart deer yeah.
0: really intelligent on on stuff um and it obviously shows I mean he's I mean even though like you said he's on a managed farm like he still there's still he still manages to kill like couple, you know, few 200 inch deer. And I mean, that's not yeah. that easy still. Even yeah. If you're they're
1: not football. easy to kill anywhere, but, uh, no. yeah, I, I mean, obviously it's a lot easier where he's at to do something sure. like anywhere else. Yeah. However, yeah. you know, what people got to remember is, uh, I mean, I don't mind if it's not your style. Like if you're a public land hunter and you're like, well, you, you, you know, I'm not taking much from him because of where he's hunting and how, how he's doing it. I yeah. can't really relate to that. I get that. But if you're going to tell me that, y- y- you know, you dislike him because of what he's doing, or or whatever. That that kind of yeah. bugs me a little wrong because
0: yeah, most same people in
1: that situation would just go do that. They'd go hunt there too.
0: Hundred percent. If they could have
1: that situation and live that life, they would do that too. So don't knock mm-hmm. it. You know.
0: Yeah, you don't and have he's to also
1: to like it, but don't knock what he's doing because most people would do that if they had the opportunity.
0: Yep, yep. And he's also like the amount of uh sweat equity and time that they put into those places. And, you know, it's, it's just like how we scout, you know, they're, they're spending uh, just as much hard work and time doing all that stuff as we do bounce around public land, you know, it's just different, just different ways of going about it. I mean, if I was a, you know, if I had whatever, a couple million dollars in the bank, I'd probably, you know, I I wouldn't mind having my own place. That'd be cool, you know, Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, Unfortunately, nowadays, a couple million, some, you may need a little more not that to get a <laughs> decent sized place, but. Uh,
1: yeah. Sometimes maybe you're better off um, not fulfilling your dreams because the journey is the, um, the cool thing. That's right. I, I, I yeah. think uh, I, I look back and I can, I can really uh, like have some pride in, in what I've done over the years, you know? And, oh, and yeah. not, I mean, I get a lot of offers to go, hunt private land or hunt with outfitters and stuff like that and you know occasionally maybe i might take a guy up but for the most part i kind of prefer it the way i'm doing it and i think i would have got those offers back when i was younger and first starting out and and really eager to prove myself i think i might have went the wrong path Mm -hmm. Um, but i think uh there's a reason i went down the route i did and I, I think uh, I like hunting public land. I like the equal playing field and, um, you know, that uh, a, a viewer could go out and hunt the same property I am,
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know, could do the same thing I'm doing. And I, I like that. There's, there's yep. something about it that's appealing to go out and beat the whole world in, in their game, you know, and yep. go on the same property, everybody else's, but I pull out the King, yep. you know, um, that doesn't mean I always do it but there's a feeling when you do that of accomplishment. Um, I believe a guy like Mark probably has the same feeling of accomplishment, but the difference is that, y- you know, he's accomplished and he built this land. He he did this. He, he put this food plot and he did this right. He put the stand in the right position where my accomplishment yep. is beating everybody else kind of thing. Yeah. You know, it's different, but it's the same. You, yeah. You, you know?
0: Yeah. it's, it's- you're, you're making yourself happy. You know, that's all it is. You know, it's just right. like, it's what he likes. That's what he likes to do. It's him alone.
1: not apples to apples and people got to understand it. It's not a competition. Yeah. Because If it's a competition, the guy yeah. with the money always wins. That's right.
0: Yep. 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 And I've said it before here, but like comparing yourself to those comparison is the thief of happiness. Like you don't Correct. worry about those guys make your Correct. own decisions and, you know, and make um,
1: you happy. there was a guy. um God, no, no, it's, if I, if I said his name, you know, who I'm talking about, um, but there's a, there's a Dick Idol, Dick Idol.
0: Okay. Yep.
1: That guy did not shoot very many deer. And that's what I loved about him back in the mm-hmm. day. There weren't a lot of hero hunters back in those days, you know, like eighties, yeah. like but he was one of them. I believe that I believe he's still alive. I think he makes furniture now or something like that looks like deer, but, uh, hmm. He might not be i haven't looked in on him in a lot of years but dick idol would go hunting and he would take a camera along and he would take pictures of these incredible deer but he only wanted to shoot boone and crockett deer
0: mm-hmm.
1: he would take pictures of these deer that are like like 165 as a as an eight pointer and be like yeah, yeah. big enough you know and it'd be like yeah. wow You know, Nigga the guy would amaze me that he had so much stamina not to shoot those and didn't even have any desire at all. And he would get onto these absolute giants and travel around looking for them. you know, um, but he wouldn't kill them. you know, to each your own, you know, what you do and how you get to where you're at. We all have got our own goals. We've all got our own thing. I mean, like when we go on hunts, I mean, I'm ecstatic when somebody in one of our groups shoots, you know, you know, a hundred inch deer or something. Well, my goal might be a lot higher, but then, you know, say I go up to Michigan or something late season hunt up there, I might lower my standards just because I want to accomplish something on that hunt, but yeah. it doesn't yeah. have to be that you're locked into something, some number or some size or some age class or something. You know, um, I laugh at these guys that say, I only shoot deer that are five years old or older. Okay. So a three-year-old that comes by that's 200 inches, you're not shooting it. Give me a break. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're yeah. just going to lie and say it's five.
0: <laughs> right, right. You're probably going to lie. And most of your deer you've shot aren't five. Like, there's, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of yeah. people go down that rabbit hole. Not saying everybody does, but there are a lot of people that shoot uh, some five year olds that are probably three year olds or 150s that are 130s, which it doesn't matter. You know?
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, I was talking to a biologist in Wisconsin who told me that, uh, the majority of booners shot are are three years old you know Mm -hmm. uh, how many three-year-olds get shot yeah you you know in in a certain area where the genetics are real well but i bet you the majority of those people if they weren't aged by a biologist think they're shooting older deer yeah Mm because you can shoot a three-year-old that's 60 inches too around here you know
0: yeah right right um all right we got a couple more questions. Let's go ahead and answer them, Dan. We've been on here for a while, but some some decent ones here. It's early still. (laughs) All right. When you're scouting your way in and get pat and and get past good sign, do you backtrack or try to J hook your way back? So I think he's talking about like you kind of accidentally walk past some good sign or something like that.
1: I've been there and it's a bad feeling. Usually you walk past or you did something bad. Um, but I would probably go back and try to get off to the side or um, hunt in a way that I think a deer can get back in there without smelling where I've been. I don't like hunting a deer that's going to walk through my scent to get to me. Personally, I just don't. I'd probably keep going. If it was a really good sign, I wouldn't have walked through it in the first place. So
0: yeah,
1: I'm going to figure that if I walk through it, it's probably... I. I what's crossing my mind when I'm thinking about when I'm I'm reading this is I'm thinking about when I was in um, Ohio following sign, it was getting better and better. And I'm looking at a map saying, Oh my, look at the, look at the terrain up ahead. You know, that's where he's coming from. And then I get to the terrain and there's no sign there and I'm like, Oh, I walked through it, you know, but where I was walking, I figure I had to have spooked that deer out of there. So sometimes I'll go back thinking, well, maybe he's coming from a side hill. And I think every time I've gone back, I've never had action It's trying to get to that best spot, you know, a lot of times I'll end up walking through a woods for the whole evening and never really hunt. Right. Right. I don't find what I, 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 I think is the situation I need to be in.
0: Yeah. That's what I, that's what I had in my mind is like whenever you think you found an okay side, and then you're like, I'm going to go just a little farther or something. And then you're like, gosh, oh. dang it. That's- I personally,
1: I have to feel, like I am in the spot, I have to be yeah. totally not in the spot to hunter. I have, you know, I don't, I don't want to hunt based on luck. Yeah, I don't even feel good about shooting a deer if it's luck.
0: Yeah, yeah. You, know, and you also
1: got a chess match. I'm trying to figure out an animal and, and play a game with it of life and death.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, and I want to hunt that deer and kill him. I'm figuring out where he's at. I'm figuring out the tree. I got to be in the wind. I got to have and everything else. And uh, I don't want dumb luck to decide that.
0: Yeah. Um, John asks, "Is do you do private lessons, Dan?"
1: Uh, we do do some um, uh, like personal workshops, kind of thing, where I'll take people out to the type of terrains that they want to learn about, and uh, um, those are a little more in depth and better because um, um, if, if a guy's coming from out of state. And uh, he's not from my area. I'm more willing to show them really um, high-end stuff kind of thing, you know. Um, but I do do that on occasion. I usually do a couple a year. I, I kind of keep those quiet, but I do them by request.
0: Yeah. Um, a lot of people are asking right now about uh, what the deer are going to be doing in this uh, weather we're having right now. You got any opinions on that?
1: Yeah, I do think they're going to go down into um, um, lower areas with uh, lots of cover. They're going to get into uh, cedar swamps. They're going to get into uh, thick swamps. Um, they're going to get out of the wind. If they're in hill country, they're going to get in leeward, leeward valleys um, where the wind isn't hitting them. And uh, they're going to congregate. And uh, you can get onto deer pretty good in this kind of weather. I've had some really good hunts in some extreme weather. I'm kind of kicking myself for not getting out tonight.
0: Yeah, it's rough out there, though. <laughs> I don't know.
1: You know, I take pride in that. Uh, there's something. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's something about me that likes that extreme weather. That yeah, you, you know. And I do better in that. You, you know, when I get out in that extreme stuff, you don't see other hunters. I think yeah, deer yeah. don't see hunters. I think they they realize they're not being hunted, and I think. uh, it's just yep. a better hunt. Well, that's what I, I, you catch them off guard too. I and mean, they're out there getting sandblasted by ice balls and stuff. And and uh, you got a 30 mile uh, or a 30 below wind chill and stuff. I think that they're just in survival mode and they're not thinking about some guy sitting in the tree.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I got this hunt coming up in Illinois for uh, in January and like, I'm looking forward to, like, it's like I'm, I'm almost looking forward to it more than anything else this year just because it's like that type of hunt where it's almost just you and them like they're not going to be very many people out there and it's going to be rough probably you know i just i'm with you there all right jerry tucker asked do you think there's a buck that would beat the Hanson buck alive today
1: hmm. um in a game farm for sure um yeah but in the wild i don't know I do believe that that's quite possible. I think it's uh, quite likely. It's probably a flip of a coin, but if there is, there's people that know about it and are hunting it. I don't yeah. think you're hiding a deer like that anywhere. So um, probably not because we'd probably be hearing about the trail camp pictures. It's hard for people to keep their mouths shut, but there could be one hiding in some corner where some people know about it and are keeping quiet. But for the most part, in like the, in a, uh, lower 48, it would be pretty hard to keep a deer like that quiet, unless it was on a very large piece of property that was locked up by somebody. Um, yeah. Because people find sheds, people get pictures. Um, and multiple people usually have pictures of those animals and, and uh, they come out. I mean, uh, when I'm on a really big buck, it seems like everybody in the whole area knows about it already, you know. Um, if I show a buck on video that I, I, uh, I've seen or something, I'll get all kinds of emails and pictures. Like, like, uh, one of these days, we got to get the guy on that found the sheds from the bear bait buck. Yeah. You know, I got contact with him. Um, that really big, non-typical, I like got video of shining a guy contacted me. Oh, I got his sheds. Another guy, oh, I got trail camp picks. Oh, I seen that buck. He lives over here. You know, those bucks do not get that big without people knowing about them. And if it's world class, you usually hear about it. So there's probably not too many deer that are close to world record
0: size running around. Yeah, I don't know. There might be one. It seems like some of the yeah, biggest it's deer
1: in a corner, though, where there's not a lot of people looking.
0: Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it, it does. If I think if you look at some of the records, like deer, not hunters, but like most of them that are the biggest, I think have been hit on the road or found. Um, I know that hole in the horn buck. I think that's the biggest scoring buck ever.
1: They get to to an age, they get hard to
0: kill. Yeah. You
1: you know, I think some areas are more conducive to killing those things than others. Like Mm -hmm. some areas of deer, you generally get shot by hunters, but in my area where I live generally the, the really big bucks I've hunted were never taken by a hunter. Um,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. there
1: There was a deer by me that was like 200 inches typical that I was watching. I got some video of that buck. Um, nobody ever shot it. I don't know whatever happened to it. There was a big non-typical, the one I was just talking about, the guys got the sheds from that one just yeah. disappeared. One day, one day it was gone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the, every now and then one of the real big ones does get shot. I mean, we had a um, 200 and I think it was 17 inch non-typical mm-hmm. um, I lived by my house. Uh, it was nine and a half when it was finally killed. But that one was uh, shot with a shotgun. Yeah. So every now and then somebody does get them, but uh, most yeah. of them just disappear. Yeah. Once yeah. they once they get to the be six seven years old, they get very very hard to kill. You can know right where they live. They can yeah. get easier to hunt, which was us uh, we were talking about earlier. Yeah. But actually, them. an arrow in them or killing them is pretty hard because they're pretty sly.
0: Yeah, there's a reason that they don't live anywhere else other than where they're at because <laughs> exactly. they got it figured yeah, out. Those
1: spots that they got figured out that they live in that where you might know right where they're at are very hard to kill them. In. Think about those thermal thermal hubs.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, you sit there and you just scratch your head about how you're going to get in there. How are you going to kill that thing? You know he's there. You go in there and you find his sheds. You go in there and you can mm-hmm. kick him out. But if, if you know he's living in there, hunting him is very difficult. You have to be just over the top. And get them to go just far enough. So
0: yeah. 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 I don't know. I, I, um, I mean, I don't, I don't know. Maybe not, though, because I mean, not, not, I'm, I'm referring to your other comment about, uh, everybody knows about every buck. It's like, uh, I think people in the regions do, but like, I didn't know about that Huff buck. I didn't know that thing was on the face of the earth, you know, until it was mm-hmm. shot, you know, and it almost beat the Hanson buck. Um, it was the biggest in North America. So, like, I don't know. Who knows? All right, one more and let's, let's get off here. Do you guys have any experience hunting mountain bucks? I'm just trying to figure out what to focus on and what to ignore. Good deer, but density is low.
1: Well, um, the thing with mountain bucks is this is what we call hill country. I mean, uh, when I get out and I hunted Pennsylvania and, and, uh, the challenge, what they were called mountains. I mean, our hills are bigger than that in Western Wisconsin. So, um, so what I'm looking for is the, uh, upper third leeward sides. I'm looking for, um, that, uh, like mountain Laurel, the transition of hard edge, um, thick stuff, um, places where people aren't going again. You know, yeah. uh, when we were in Pennsylvania, where I got onto them was, uh, I went uh, down a steep ridge from the road, then up a steep ridge, and you had to cross a creek to get up there. You know, once you get into stuff like that, you're going through water, and you're going down a hill and up a hill, and you're getting, you know, three quarters of a mile from the road, then you start getting into deer that people aren't really getting over to. Then we started having action, you know?
0: Yeah. Yep. I want to go hunt a mountain white tail. Like I want to go off to Idaho and hunt out there in the mountains for white tail. I think it'd be oh, so cool.
1: Oh, that way, yeah, yeah, that's a little yeah. different. I don't know if this guy's talking about that or if he's talking I, about.
0: I assume he's talking know, I about a lot
1: of guys in uh, eastern states that are that call hills mountains, and they yeah. they, they are called mountains out there. I mean, in Pennsylvania yeah. those were mountains, but they were to me they were yeah. just hills.
0: Yeah. In Kentucky, there could there can be mountain mountainous terrain in Kentucky too. Down then down there, okay. uh, Tennessee, same thing. I but, haven't
1: done much mountain hunting, actually. Yeah, but it's an actual mountain.
0: Yeah, there's some big ones like in Idaho and places like that. Man, those guys, some of them guys kill giants in those mountains in there. I, I want to try it one day. I'd love to go like backpack hunting for a whitetail. Um, anyway, well, everybody, this is a great episode. We had. Close to 500 people on, so um, we don't mind nice. going over when there's that. You no got open earlier, uh, more often. I know, I know, right? Uh, not an option during hunting season, but right now it's not that big of a deal. Well, it's still hunting
1: season. It's just that uh, hunting season or hunting hours end earlier than it's yeah. That's up.
0: that's true. That's true. Um, all right, everybody. Merry Christmas. Enjoy the holidays. Spend time with family. Hopefully, you get some cool hunting gear. And we will see you guys next week sometime. Merry Christmas, everybody.